This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I cannot believe this is my 95th episode of Self Work. But before we get started on today's episode, I want to announce what I'm going to be doing for my 100th episode. Actually, it's a request that's been made by a couple of people, so I thought maybe there are others that would be out there who would like it. It'll be an episode a bit longer than most, but I'll be answering your questions solely that day. I've got several comments in the queue that I haven't been able to get to or several questions, but I'd love to have some more. So please send them in to askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. It's all confidential, and if you don't want your question read, then just tell me that too. I'll get to it just as soon as possible. But I'm excited about being only with you for our 100th episode. We're talking about kind of a tough topic today. We're going to be talking about bitterness. And the definition of bitterness is a feeling of deep anger and resentment, an emotion which encompasses both anger and hate. Often people who are bitter appear to the world as just going around pissed off at everyone and everything. However, bitterness is often a result of some past event which has hurt, scarred, or jaded the person. There are many ways that bitterness and contempt are expressed through gender bashing, stereotyping for various reasons, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But there are also examples in our everyday life of people who choose not to be bitter, who choose not to feel contempt. And I'll tell you the story of one man's solution to that kind of bitterness. Our listener email today is from someone who really resonates with perfectly hidden depression, If you don't know what that is, it's a term that I've conceived that describes a syndrome of behaviors that appear together and often mask depression. It can be very, very dangerous. I've got several episodes on it if you're interested. But she's asking, how do I bring up to my therapist that I experience perfectly hidden depression? So I've got some ideas. So welcome to Self Work. We're going to be talking about kind of a dark topic today, bitterness and contempt, but in a way perhaps where we can avoid it in ourselves and even respond more appropriately when we hear it from others. How many times have you heard some man say, you can't trust any woman, they'll just play you. Or you've heard women say, men are dogs or narcissists or both. Bitterness like this sometimes catches those who hear it with surprise. What I'm likely to do is assume one thing. Whoever says something like that has been tremendously hurt. Perhaps they have been manipulated or led on or lied to or even abused. Perhaps it's happened over and over again. It's been their reality. The damage can be deep and can cause understandable pain. Yet, instead of trying to figure out what their own role may have been in being attracted to people who are manipulative or abusive, perhaps working through their own actual victimization as children or even as adults, or asking themselves why they stayed in a relationship for years where they were being hurt or building resentment, they don't do that. They stay angry. 
and they can erect a very sizable barrier to being hurt again and just vocalize contempt for an entire gender. They'll look for others who support their opinion. In fact, one time a man came in to see me and he said something very similar to that. It's interesting, he came to a female therapist, but he said, you can't trust women. And I said, you know, who do you hang out with? He just happened to be a biker. I don't think all bikers are like this. I think a lot of bikers are great people. But he said, I have biking friends. I said, okay. And what do they think about women? Because, ah, oh, they all hate them too. And I looked at him and I said, well, has it ever occurred to you? You're self-selecting the people who agree with you about women. And so you're only hearing one viewpoint. And I did, of course, point out to him as well, but it was interesting he chose a female therapist. It turned out, of course, that this person's first wife had been tremendously manipulative and had kept his children from him when he had done absolutely nothing to warrant something like that. So he had grown very, very cynical about women. In psychology, this type of thinking is described as due to mental errors or what are called distortions in thinking that can lead someone into an unhealthy, even dangerous direction. But, you know, we also can be heavily influenced by a pressure to conform. If we hear someone with a lot of contempt or bitterness about a gender, a race, a spiritual faith, we can tend to go along with the crowd. You can hear really angry words come out of someone's mouth, knowing that they're just full of contempt. And instead of speaking your own truth, you can feel paralyzed by the intensity of those feelings or get carried away by social pressure. Years ago, I was working out with a group of women, and we were laughing about kind of harmless things in our relationship, stuff women talk about. Yet the bar started to be raised. Comments were becoming more sarcastic, more pointed about men. Then suddenly, one woman very cynically asked, is anyone in this room actually happily married? The words, I am, emerged a little hesitatingly out of my mouth, and the room got kind of quiet. It's a little uncomfortable. The subject was changed, and I felt as if I'd abandoned the troops, I'd become the traitor. By simply revealing my marriage was pretty good, not perfect, but good. It was weird I felt that way. I had felt that pressure not to say my own truth, but to somehow conform. Now, I'm a therapist. I'm all for talking about problems, but not in a way that breeds contempt, that won't help anything. Stereotyping, pigeonholing, categorizing, They're all means of expressing contempt. With the acknowledgement that I'm certainly not a philosopher of any kind, perhaps hate simplifies the world for some people. Putting a label on a gender, a race, a belief, a creed, or an entire nation makes your world black and white. Who's wrong and who's right seems very evident. Black and white thinking eliminates doubt, questioning, ambiguity, uncertainty. Believing your perspective is truth stops discussion and is a barrier to any kind of empathy and understanding. My dad used to say this phrase all the time, the truth of the matter is, and my brothers have picked it up as well, and I always got kind of tickled because dad had his opinions, but he was certainly open to hearing others, but he loved that phrase. But let's make stereotyping a little bit more personal. Think for a minute how you might describe yourself. What are the facts about you that anyone could see or find out? And as usual, I'll use myself as an example. I'm a short, white woman, 
in her early 60s who grew up in southern Arkansas. I've been married three times. I'm a mother of one, and I work as a psychologist. If someone wanted to have contempt for me, there is plenty of ammunition there. All kinds of assumptions could be made by people who don't even know me. And I haven't even touched on my spiritual beliefs, my political views, or what I watch on television. Someone, if they so chose, could rush to judgment about me or about you. I'll never forget this man I worked with years ago. He was a very tall, very large, and very dark-skinned African-American man. He came in for several reasons, mostly struggles with self-sabotage and self-esteem. He was extremely creative, funny. When he laughed, it was contagious, and he was well-loved by those who knew him. But he looked at me one day and said, I am so tired of the look I see in women's eyes when I'm walking along the street at night. They don't see me. They see a big black guy, and they're immediately frightened. I've never forgotten the look that was in his own eyes. Hurt, confusion, but not bitterness. That's a choice he told me he consciously made, to not be bitter. I truly admired him for that, because it's far easier and in many ways far more available an attitude to not try to understand, to not try to have empathy for someone else. Labels, assumptions, not taking the time or the energy to discover who people really are, what makes them tick, allowing hurt or contempt to govern your thinking and beliefs, simplifying the world by deciding someone is bad or good based on something they can't control or one fact about them, it sure can keep you bitter. But then there are stories like this one. A couple of years ago, I saw a news story. It was about a bicyclist who'd been hit by a truck and was initially paralyzed. Months later, he his orthopedic surgeon, and the driver of the truck finished a half marathon together. His ability to move his legs was one miracle. His decision to forgive the driver and even befriend him was another. And this is what he said. I knew if I didn't, the resentment would eat me alive. We can all learn from that bicyclist. We can all remember that one fact doesn't make someone an enemy. And bitterness is far more paralyzing than you think. I'll have the link, by the way, to this amazing story on the show notes. As I said in the introduction, our email from a listener today is about perfectly hidden depression. And here's what she says. I just came across your article for PhD, Perfectly Hidden Depression, and I'm amazed at how well it describes my experiences. I am currently in therapy because I've been having anxiety, but I function very well in my everyday life. My therapist said I was an enigma because she feels I'm highly adaptive, so it's hard to tell what is me and what is me just coping. I scored 16 on the Perfectly Hidden Depression quiz. Although I know it is not my only issue, it was a relief to actually see in writing what I feel. Is perfectly hidden depression something she's likely to know about, or how should I bring it up? So, I answer. No, it's not something she's likely to know anything about. 
I hope that's going to change next year when my book on Perfectly Hidden Depression comes out. (laughs) That's in November, by the way. Anyway, back to my answer. That's been a frequent comment I've had from others who've identified with Perfectly Hidden Depression. They get diagnosed as anxious, and that's actually accurate. But there's much more underneath that you're very adept at hiding. Some people have told me that they simply take my podcasts on PhD or one of my blog posts about it, especially the one with the 10 characteristics of perfectly hidden depression, and show it to their therapist, or they listen to it together. Hopefully, your therapist will embrace the idea and learn something about you that you haven't felt comfortable revealing, and or that her more traditional concept of depression, which, by the way, was my own for many years, may be preventing her from seeing. I hope that that works for you and that the new information will help guide her and you toward the work you need to do to confront whatever perfectionism and need to hide emotional pain is doing to you. I wish you the very best. I just posted an article that was sent to me by someone in my Facebook group. The article was on a very well-loved, beloved, in fact, doctor who quite impulsively, or at least seemingly impulsively, died by suicide. Now, in the article, actually, his medical doctor, his psychiatrist, knew that he had a plan, which I don't quite understand why he wasn't hospitalized. But people with perfectly hidden depression have a way of being able to convince others that they're really fine. They may have some ideas about hurting themselves, but you know they're in control. Control is their issue. And all of a sudden, one day, He wasn't in control anymore. If you want to see that, you can head over to my Facebook page. That's Dr. Margaret Rutherford on Facebook. So more and more people actually are sending me stories like this. And of course, I did a podcast on the deaths of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. That might or might not have had perfectly hidden depression. I'm not real sure, but certainly they seemed likely candidates. So I hope if that's you, that you will go and listen to... Episodes three and four, which I ask your forgiveness because I edited those myself and I was just starting podcasting, so be kind. In fact, I had someone tell me who is in radio that she's begun listening to my podcast and she said the change in my voice tone is noticeable because I guess I was so nervous when I first started, which I was, and now I'm not nervous anymore. So anyway, (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. I don't know whether to go back and listen to them myself or not. Maybe I'll just leave that a concept. But I've got several episodes on perfectly hidden depression sort of interspersed throughout self-work. And I've got lots of blog posts on my Facebook page. So you can run over there. Thank you so much for being here today. We've talked about something kind of dark, contempt and bitterness. But if you know someone with that kind of problem, please know that there's a lot of hurt underneath. And perhaps if you can just get them to talk about it or reach out to them and say, I know it's under there, they might respond. There are plenty of ways you can get in touch with me. As I said in the intro, please send me emails and comments and questions at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. I absolutely love hearing from you. It lets me know who you are, what you want to hear. I've gotten a couple of really great ideas for podcasts. So I'm more than open to that as well. 
I mentioned my Facebook group. I do have a Facebook group, and several of you have jumped over from here. That is facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. We've got about 320 people at this point, mostly women, a handful of men, but men are welcome. But we try to give each other strength and support and empathy and lots of laughter. Self-work, right? (laughs) Thank you again for subscribing to those of you who have. My subscriptions are going way up, and I really, really appreciate that. That lets me know you're looking forward to the next episode. And I so appreciate ratings and reviews because that's the way other people might be looking at self-work and say, well, you know, does anybody else like this? So it gives me credibility. (laughs) Reviews are even more helpful, actually, written reviews, because they let me know specifically what you like or what you might not care for so much. I've got some great interviews coming up. Allie Worthington is going to be on, I think, the 101st episode, and she's quite a dynamic person in the Christian field, and we're going to be talking about faith and mental illness. I've got Kathy Sikorsky coming on, who is an expert in caring for people with Alzheimer's. She did her own grandmother and wrote a really funny book about it. So I'm excited about some of these interviews coming up. And again, please send me your questions or comments for that 100th episode. I look forward to that so much. Thanks for listening. Take good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work. (laughs) 